0: Welcome to the FE Research Podcast, a podcast that aims to showcase the practitioner inquiry, scholarship, and research being carried out within further education. Welcome to this special edition of the FE Research Podcast, a podcast series that aims to showcase the practitioner inquiry, scholarship, and research being carried out within further education. So, hello, Alistair Smith.
1: Hello, Joe. How are you?
0: I'm, I'm good. Thank you. Um, here we are, end of 2020, and we have shared 20 podcasts.
1: And um, what a year it's been.
0: <laughs> and what a year it's been, yeah. It's been a real story of um, lockdown, this podcast, isn't it? Because we, we, um, we, we, we dabbled just before lockdown and put one podcast out to see
1: we did and we experimented with this um technology called zoom at the time to make it happen we were there before anyone else was uh, mainstreaming it joe we
0: were we were we were zooming away before zoom was a thing um so we had a little dabble and then we went into lockdown and that's it really so the other 19 have been <laughs> uh, i think created yeah from from uh, march onwards haven't they really
1: yeah and and all kind of embracing this virtual environment and virtual meeting people and it's worked really well
0: yeah yeah i suppose before that we never knew that it it could be a good thing to do yeah um okay so we're, we're sort of celebrating today aren't we and um we're going to be putting out our 21st podcast although it'll actually go out into the world in 2021. So by the time anybody's listening, it will be January, it'll be 2021 with our 21st podcast. So we're saying-
1: 21
0: in 21. Congratulations, yeah, 21 <laughs> yeah, in 21. And, 21. and uh, so yay, yeah, yours and congratulations. And thank you to um, all the guests that we've had and the people who've listened and the people who've shared and tweeted and messaged on various social media platforms. Um, saying nice things about the fact that we are showcasing good stuff going on within the FE sector in its broadest sense by FE, of course. I mean, every sort of part of it.
1: I know. And and um, I'm, there's been so many highlights in there as well and, and so many great bits and, and enjoyable. Um, I'm going to ask you to try and pick out some of your favourite highlights, though, Jo. Um, and I know that's like trying to pick a favourite child, which you're not really supposed to do, but... Uh... Obviously, there's going to be some bits that stood out for you over over the year while we've been recording. So what, what highlights were yours?
0: Well, you said pick a favourite child. David Powell! <laughs> <laughs> that was the first one. Uh, that was such fun, um, being in the room with David. He's got such um, enthusiasm when he talks, and you just get completely cap- captured, really. Um in that Zoom room with him and, uh, you know, and all his all thinking, his deep thinking about the sector, his passion for the sector, you know, and what, what he saw as the potential for teacher research within the sector, I thought was, you know, well, it's always a thrill being with David. That's my first one. Are we going to take, take turns here? Are you going to tell me one of your highlights and then I'll tell you another?
1: I think it's fair to say just getting it started, just actually going from having a conversation about, um, showcasing research um, beyond the the research meets and being able to put it in an arena that was more accessible was was that kind of idle chatter. But making it happen has been one massive highlight for me. And it's been really enjoyable as well. And um, little kind of evenings sat-away recording podcasts that that give me kind of great pleasure to meet new people and uh, and find out about their work as well.
0: Yeah, I've learned, learned, learned so much, haven't we? Um, I think my second highlight We've got to be sharing three, haven't we? We've got to do things in odd numbers. That's the rule. <coughs> so um, it was, uh, I've loved the ability to be a bit creative about how we, how we do it. So we've had a crack, haven't we, at what we call seven-minute pods. They actually last longer than seven minutes. But the idea is that somebody talks and shares seven things about their research project within seven minutes. And I think Holly Barnes was the first, was she? She took the challenge first. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And she absolutely hammered the timing of it as well, right down to the second, almost I think
0: she absolutely nailed it, and she, yeah so and that was really good fun, and that gave me a sense of um, you know it, it doesn't have to be a space where it's people doing doctorates, sharing and, you know in, in, in great detail, it might be quite small projects, and people can't talk for a small amount of time, so that, that was that was really good fun. i don't know Is that, is that where you introduced your bell or your buzzer there?
1: That was it. <laughs> Yeah, it was a noise-making machine, wasn't it? I can't remember which one, yeah. which one we use now. Um, I think uh, another highlight has to be um, Joe. We've heard you say a few times that you say in in your podcast, "I'm asking for a friend," but why should people do a PhD? Um, and we had a good lengthy chat with uh, Lou Mycroft, and, and she told you it wasn't just about the floppy hat, was it? And um, that yeah. that was kind of her line. And of course, the the highlight off the back of that was. And we both felt the inspiration to get our applications in and start our own, um, kind of formal research journeys up again. Um, yeah. and, uh, we've, we've both been accepted and, uh, um, started our M and you've already clearly got your sights on floppy hats already. I think, haven't you? Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> I- I'm still only in it for the floppy hat, to be honest, <laughs> uh, you know, I've not checked the colour scheme, actually, at the university. I must check the colour scheme. But yeah, no, no, with, in all seriousness, no, we've both joined the Sunset programme. We've had a number of Sunset um, researchers, so that's people linked to Sunderland University on a programme sponsored by the ETF, isn't it? Um, and we've had a number of, a number of Sunsetters um, on the podcast, and we've got some more um, in January in February as well. So yeah, that, that's, that's really exciting. Oh, am I sharing another?
1: Yeah, go for another one. Well, yeah. these three—you said three, didn't you? So, I did yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. It, uh, I probably Gary, Gary, husband, Dr. Gary, husband, who actually now, now we didn't know it at the time, he has become a visiting professor for the Sunset Program, but we weren't doing, we weren't getting him on the podcast for any nefarious means, were we? Um, yeah. So, and I mean, again, much like David, such a a view of the sector and how that relationship between universities and FE can work well potentially but it was when I played a game at the end I introduced a game and I don't know had I done a game before
1: I think that was the first game
0: yeah game at the end wasn't it She just really enjoyed um we played a kind of it was about uh, collective nouns wasn't it and then later on in fact the one that we're sharing today we've played a game at the end of that one as well and I, I don't know, it might be childish, but, you know, these things are import, have been important in lockdown. I've really enjoyed that.
1: Oh, we've got to have a laugh while we're going as well. Yeah. Um, so have I got one more on on yeah. here? One more highlight. Do you know what? It's got to be um, the growth in listeners and, and all of the listens that we've had and the engagement with, with listeners. Um, and those interactions that we've had through Twitter and through the blog and people writing for the blog. and, and I know that that's kind of a, a more evolving thing at the moment, but it's growing and, and I think that's exciting um, yeah. and definitely a highlight.
0: In fact, I mentioned Holly before, it was Holly's idea to offer the blog space to anybody who came on the podcast. So that that is her idea. And um, we had a, a writer for it recently. Um, well, it was Peter. What's Peter's surname? Ah, Peter. Um he came on the podcast to talk about his work in adult education, and then he wrote a piece um for the blog as well but what again, thinking about listeners and and or the impact of, of the podcast, he then contacted us afterwards didn't he and he said, um, kind of following the conversation he'd had with us, it kind of prompted him to make contact again with a former um supervisor or lecturer, yeah and she's moved to i think it's northumbria or somewhere in the northeast and now in his 70s he's he's gonna start a phd and it was <laughs> and it's not to do with it, it's just just those little it's like um a jigsaw isn't it or little little things that started to piece together and because of that I'm sure he was thinking about it anyway. I'm not saying where the reason, but it was just one extra piece in the jigsaw that prompted him to make that contact. And now that's what he's doing. Yeah.
1: Just all the little pockets of joy, those highlights, just to kind of keep us going this year, certainly um, that we've had from the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Way more enjoyable than uh, sitting, watching Tiger King and all the series on Netflix. that have <laughs> been stacking I, I, up.
0: I didn't watch it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, so we should introduce uh, today's podcast that will be going out in, in January. Or if you're listening now, it should be January, in theory. Um, so it is Sam Jones. And of course, Sam Jones is the founder of FE Research Meet. And you'll probably hear that again in the recording. But at the time we recorded it, we were in different tiers. Tier four didn't even exist. She was sunning herself in a tier one situation, I think, and we were, we were in tier three or something else. So, so there's some, you know, you don't hear the right information about tiers, but, you know, don't let that put you off. Um, but it's because of FE research meet that we kind of got the, or you did, you approached me, didn't you, about, about doing this podcast because people go to a research meet and they'll pick, you know, workshops to go to, but they can only pick so many. Whereas doing this...
1: I mean, yeah there's
0: lots of talks anytime
1: well i felt like i really missed out on your your um, the research meeting you hosted because i presented but at the time i was presenting there was there was two or three things that i really wanted to to go and listen to and of course that just wasn't possible so if, yeah. by doing this we've, we seem to be um having a much larger audience for each each conversation so it's great and of yeah. course yeah sam is is heavily responsible for that because i was i was um feeling slightly disenfranchised and she did come to, to my talk at the research meet that you hosted um, and filled me back with enthusiasm um, and has kept pushing from the sidelines I think for quite a while this year which has been great.
0: Yeah and she um, I think on the back of that you also ended up writing a tests um, article didn't you?
1: Yeah very enjoyable uh, as well.
0: And then and again you see other people linked to the podcast have been in touch and they're doing pieces of writing for Either tests or journals and so on so that's been another ripple effect I think really we're either we're part of the ripple or we're causing a ripple effect yeah
1: just to be part of it's enough isn't it I think that you know the the change needs to happen and the only way it can happen is is through um, through action really isn't
0: it yeah I think I, I've certainly seen a shift in um, some thinking that podcasting couldn't be part of professional development too it kind of really is really is for individuals and 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 sometimes for organizations as well okay so i i think that's enough of our waffle we don't normally talk for this long in this podcast do we
1: no but it's 21 in 21 so i think we can do that so here we go then we'll listen to the podcast with sam jones
0: the fe research podcast my name is joe Fletcher saxon and my partner in crime is
1: it's alistair smith hello joe how are you
0: i'm good how are you
1: not too bad today thank you very much
0: we're midway through lockdown two uh any you know any changes anything significant happening to you
1: we say midway but we don't know it's going to end yet um no we're we're, we're kind of all the same (laughs) we're we're carrying on as we were doing We're, we're good
0: Okay. So um, for our recording today, we've got, um, well, it's kind of the fifth person in our lineup of our what we've called our kind of big listens or our long listens. Um, we, we've referred to them as the heavyweights, haven't we, in the FE research world. Uh, I can see her there. She's laughing. Um, so yeah, the heavyweights being people like uh, David Powell, Gary Husband, Lou Mycroft, Catherine Manning from the ETF. And today's special guest, it is Sam Jones. Hello, Sam Jones. Hi, Joe. How are you? Hi, Alistair. Hi.
1: It's
0: good to see you. It's um, lovely to see you both. Okay, I'm going to do a kind of a bit of an intro to you. Okay. We, we've trimmed it down, your many achievements, just to get, you know, the highlights here. But, okay. Uh, okay, so Sam Jones, she's the Research um, Development Project Manager at Bedford College. She's the founder of FE Research Meet. She's a convener for the Learning and Skills Research Network and she's also a PhD candidate at Cambridge. So hi, Sam, and thank you for joining us.
2: Oh, it's lovely to be here. Thank you for asking me.
0: <laughs> okay, so I'm going to hand straight over to um, Alistair to ask the first few questions and then I'll ask the last few. Okie
2: dokie. you go. Far away then, Alistair.
1: Okay, well, we'll, we'll start with a nice gentle one, Sam, just to find out a little bit more about kind of your role and um, what you do at um, Bedford College Group and uh, your research that you do as well. If you can start with that for us.
2: Oh, my research um, is looking at the movement of knowledge between um, the workspace and the learning space. I'm looking at how lecturers go out, engage with industrial knowledge vocational lecturers and then attempt to bring that back to um their classroom Mm -hmm. Uh, they don't easily is the short answer that i found so far in the in the pilot but i'm i'm really interested in uh vocational knowledge in in general um and how it's structured and the pedagogy around it um so yeah my, my research is kind of into that area and i'm quite interested in in in, do with anything really in, in terms of uh, vocational practice um do you want me to talk yeah. about the college yeah talk about um,
1: where that fits in as well because it, it does feed into what you do as well
2: it, do, it does yeah so in the college i'm in teacher ed so obviously that puts me in touch with lots and lots of um vocational tutors um, and lecturers um and that's really nice because that kind of feeds my passion being obviously other people's practice um and i do generally in joy teacher ed. Most of what I do in teacher ed at the moment is um, uh, looking at the action research. So we spent the last couple of years um, with our partner university, University of Bedfordshire, developing our um, action research offering, um, which has been, that's that's been good fun. Um, But wider in the college, we've started to do much, much more, uh, well, I say much, much more. We've kind of gone from a standard, but we're doing a lot more research. So probably about six years ago now, we started up the Bedford College Research Network. And at that point, it was just interesting, interesting, interested individuals coming together to share research and to develop um, practice and that kind of thing. Um, And it has developed from there. When we developed the research network, we we started from a standing start. So the only people that were in the college at that time were people who were either doing masters or doing doctorates. And we had um, an odd few people doing independent research. Um, that was problematic, I think. And, and we recognized straight away that it was a bit of a waste of resource because we were lots of people developing ideas and developing practice and nothing happened with it. So over the last six years, a lot of what I've been doing in the college is to try and encourage more people to research and put an structure so that to support people and to encourage them to do it. And most importantly, I think in the last 12 months, we've started to get the senior leadership team and now um, the governors to commit to using research to inform decisions within the college. So it's taken a long time, but that's kind of been our journey.
1: But all progress is still progress, isn't it?
2: <laughs> it is. Yeah. And I think people look and go, oh, I want to do that. And they, and they think it's going to be quick that we had some sort of magic solution and don't really realise that it's, it's been six years of a lot of hard work on a lot of people's parts.
1: Excellent. Well, that leads nicely onto the next question because this is really about your kind of future vision. And I know some people might have heard you speak at the SET conference recently, mm-hmm. um, but I'd like to ask you what your vision for FE research is um, kind of moving forward as well as, as making use of what's there at the moment, I guess, as well.
2: Yeah, I think making use of what's there is a big part of how I see um, the the future of, sort of, research um, that takes place within the sector. Um, So I I was talking to Claire Collins today about the idea of inclusive methodologies um, and about thinking about the position of the FE research as being central to what's going on rather than just being a participant. So the people in the sector are much more active um, and learn, so capacity develops and, and we work alongside people rather than working for people and, and just being a little bit more passive in that role. Um, and she did talk about participatory action research. And I think, yeah, I think that is, that's a good idea and something we definitely need to look at a little bit more. But I do think there's something about participatory Participatory action research, in my mind, and I could have got this really wrong, they've still got somebody else leading it. And I think my vision of FE research for the future is a bit more in terms of equality. So we work with other people in the sector. So if other people came in to research a sector, they would research with us rather than on us. Um, And we start to find a space for our own research that we do within the sector, and that that feeds into the development of the sector and this is why i think that what's gone on at bedford and i know it's going on at other colleges as well i know at least 10 other colleges where this is happening where senior leadership teams are starting to make a commitment to use research practitioner research particularly to inform decisions i say practitioner research particularly not exclusively but you know if they have if all they've been using is um academic stuff it, then it would be good that they supplement that with a bit of practitioner research to sort of look at the local color um but it's about developing capacity um for me and also developing sector through the research that's doing it that's been done in the sector sorry
1: yeah no that makes sense kind of uh more co-piloting along the way there yeah. um so really and if you if you kind of have that as a vision there and um you're trying to persuade other college leaders and um, other colleges to, to kind of make use of it. Um, what, what's in it for colleges and college leaders? Why should they bother?
2: Why should they bother? Um, okay, I think I, I really am a fan of, there's a piece of work which I've sort of put everywhere I can think that Peter Shooky wrote about, he uses an analogy of lights, that work that comes from outside the sector has to be a stronger light. So it tends to be a spotlight. So it'll spotlight a particular area, but there'll be sort of grey areas and nooks and crannies around it, um, and and that's where I think senior leaders need to to look at the grey areas around it, at the context. So they might look at a piece of research that has been done um, on a larger scale, and then look at how that might work in their college, rather than just taking it as as wholesale or looking at the particular areas of practice that are interesting to practitioners. Because I think that's another thing that quite often what is interesting to people outside isn't necessarily what's interesting to people inside the sector. And I, I know I'm doing the inside outside and not everybody's fond of that. But what I mean is if you're if you're a practitioner and you're sort of doing your day-to-day job what's important, what's interesting to you may not be what's important and what's interesting to, let's say, the Education and Training Foundation, because they're looking at government priorities or another body that's looking at their priorities. And it's the one thing that's always really surprised me about things like um, Research Me, is that no one's ever asked us for a list of all the work, practitioner work, that's been presented. Because I would imagine that's got to be really, really interesting to do an analysis of out of all the stuff that, I don't know, Bedford College Group or um, the PD North blog and the research meets and all those other things that have been done where people have been able to have their own head and um, research areas that are of interest to them, what is interesting to us? Because I bet there's some really clear themes that come out over that, and I really find it surprising that no one's ever gone, okay, well, what is it that's interesting to FE researchers other than other people in the sector who turn up to the events or you know, people who then subsequently find out about it or start doing their own research. So I think there's a real, there's a, there's a whole hidden world almost out there, isn't there? So if you say all these dark corners where the big lights don't shine and all this little bit of work that, you know, somebody at say your college or my college or, or Joe's sixth form goes and does, and you know, it might be shared amongst a few people. Um, there's a, I bet there's lots that's known about the sector hidden in all of this work that isn't made use of. And, and for me, that's a massive waste of resource in the sector because it's under-researched generally, though that has improved in, in recent years. Um, and we're often, from the outside in, thinking about at the policy level here, done to rather than led by ourselves. Well, I think there's a whole load where you, know, you could really develop good practice in areas like actually vocational pedagogy now you could look at the literature that's already there and supplement it with all the stuff that's done by practitioners but nobody seems to want to look
1: yeah I'm sort of as you were talking through that I'm thinking in my head you know what you you wouldn't start to even try and do a jigsaw puzzle with half the pieces missing And, and I guess a lot of the pieces are coming from the practitioners themselves in the classroom and what they're seeing to cover those gray areas
2: Yeah, I think practitioners are really, really locked out of policy. I mean, it's hard enough for senior leaders to get their voices heard in these sectors. And I know senior leaders do their best to to, to represent what goes on in a whole college, but that has to be a pretty impossible task. You know, if you look at something like the size of Bedford College Group, I don't know how many staff we've got. There's thousands of us. Now, you can't possibly represent all those different areas of... of of practice um but yeah i think there's a i think there's a deliberate thing there that we're we're locked out because then it's easier to set the scene for the direction we need to go in whether that's the right direction and whether they're the right developments i don't know
1: oh it's worth finding out because i guess if you don't try then then there's absolutely no way of knowing so that kind of leads me on to ask a little bit about um, what the teacher research of Bedford's looking like now um, and how it's supported. Because um, <clears throat> ultimately, you, you said it, it's been a six year change and, and uh, development process. So it, I'm interested to hear kind of how that's working now and um, how it's kind of unfolding.
2: Okay well when we started you sort of funded your own master's or PhD and and whatever else and that was the first thing actually um, that we were able to lobby for because in the past those things had been funded and the funded had switched off from them we managed to get that turned back on which was then encouraged other people to do it which was which was great so that was quite a uh, an early win to get that that. Funding switch back on. Um, more recently, there's time given, so I get one day a week for my PhD, which is absolutely fantastic, and I'm really, really grateful for that. And it does make a big difference because PhD takes up a lot of your headspace, and and you need you need to have a bit of time to to think. Um, it was still then a bit of a uh, minority sport, but I think what's happened over the period of time is that. Um, I started to get as an AP a little bit of time to sort of support other people. Um, And so we started to run sort of voluntary action research. If you don't, you know, if you want to supplement your CPD with a bit of action research, then I would take you through a project. And we had some lovely projects um, by teachers and also our um, student services department was really, really active in that area as well, which was, which was great, and that's just what we want to see, is it's not just teachers. Um, More recently, the college um, got a bit braver. So last year, we had our CHIRPS, which is the College Improvement Research Project. And I know there's no H in it, but it just looks better, and you can do a bird as the logo for it. Um, But so we had our our CHIRPS projects, and that was really great because what the college did is it put £10,000 of its CPD budget to one side to fund people to do projects that you couldn't do on your own. That needed a bit of um, investment and time and, and whatever. Um, it, there was a bigger outcome at the end. You have to, you know, have to produce reports. You have to disseminate your work to key people in the organisation and that kind of thing to make sure it, it starts to have impact. Um, but that was great. So this last year, um, it launched in, it, well, we started it in January this year. So this, this year we've been, I've been working with those people to sort of supervise them Um, and again that was another big deal actually partly because of the funding but also because of the supervision so the the college started to recognize that having somebody support the researcher is important you can't just let them go and, and and expect something good at the end and it's a hard process to do on your own even at phd you don't work on your own you work really really closely with your supervisor so we had that sort of supervision thing that came along so that started last year and just about to relaunch that for January 2021 because they, they, they overran, obviously because of COVID and, and one project still is having to change its methodology to get going because they were going to go out to schools, bless them and there's no chance of that in the near future. Um, so we, that project has sort of carried on and then this year it's been supplemented by the practitioner research is now an option in the CPD. So there's sort of, you can do everything from taking a risk in your classroom to working in triads, to doing some action research, to doing a CHIRPS project. So you've almost got like a a, a growth there. So you could, in our new system, effectively start with trying something out, thinking, oh, that worked well, trying it with other people, thinking, oh, that's still going well. No, do a little bit of action research and then do a CHIRPS project. And we also encourage in that there's a step of external sharing. So... The, the CPD is now sort of supporting the research, but it's also looking at um, Bryony Everett Hackford and, and and the guys at Coleg Segar, um have this culture of curiosity. So it's, it, it reminds me of that as well, because you can just dip your toe in and just try something out. And in terms of practice development, that's a great place to start. So it has moved things, because considering when we started, CPD at the college was like a menu of things that you had to choose or and and at some points we've had things that you've just had to do in the morning you're doing this and the afternoon you're doing this so it has moved a long way I think within the college that's been great but it has been a long journey as I say
1: yeah but it's quite um it's quite a dramatic change I think as well When you know to listen to the the differences that you talk about there so it might be that because you've you've experienced the full um, period of time where small, small changes happen on a, um, a lengthy basis, you might not have seen how big that, that change necessarily sounds like when you're explaining it to me. And it sounds like it's a huge distance travelled.
2: It uh, is. And I think the one a piece of advice I would give would be to really work with your senior team. So get them on side and really sell them the benefits. So one of the things that we worked out early in the research network is you had to go outside the college a little bit to improve your profile. And the things that you do outside the college, you have to take back to the senior team so they can see the impact of that. And it was doing that, I think, that started to change the senior team's mind about things. They started to see it from a different way and they started to see that other people said, oh, that's a good thing. And they go, this is a good thing going on in our college, so this is great. And things like hosting research meets and LSRN events and that kind of thing, you know, all of that kind of adds to the, the general hum and, and buzz that's going on and i think that normalizes it a little bit then
1: yeah and i i think there's a, a certain energy that kind of uplifts all areas of it as well at the same time isn't there there's there's a buzz that kind of goes through all of those activities that you mentioned
2: there i think it's all that thing of seeing somebody that's just like you in the organization that like you that's doing it or in another and you're like oh yeah well if they can do it I can do it and then you get that confidence and you think oh yeah I'm gonna have a go at this and then you start doing it and you take your own work out and you get that nice response when you go to something like a, a research meet where you share your work in the workshop and other people are like oh my god that was fantastic thank you very much you know and that really buoys you up because you may not be hearing those sounds inside your own organization initially at least might be that you have to go outside to get that kind of i don't know if validation is the right word but identity change valid all those kind of things are going on um and that sort of i think that helps energize you in your own space then to carry on making changes
1: yeah i can certainly relate relate to that one so you've you've obviously been to plenty of events and and um and research meets and and networking events and also seen lots of um, research activity take place um, within um, your own college as well. Is there any kind of interesting research that you want to highlight? I I described this to um, uh, Gary Husband as Wombling Pedagogy. It's the picking up the good bits and kind of (laughs) (laughs) sticking them in a bag. But what what stands out? What would you like to highlight?
2: Um, I suppose... In terms of research in my colleague, we've got we've got some, we had some people finished last year. I've got two people who one who's publishing or, or whose work's gone to publication in um a uh, a journal, Inspire FE, for, for people in their first two years of um teaching. So she was a, a counseling lecturer on the CERTED, so she hadn't done any academic work before, um, and she was skeptical when we started action research and she I, I love it when I convert people over the course of the year <laughs> she did a corking piece of work it was really really good um, and the work was looking at um, increasing peer feedback and the use and response of peer feedback because it's very important to be able to listen and respond as a, as a counsellor so it worked on so many different levels of practice and um, and she went out and published that. So I was really, really proud of um, that work. Um, and I think the other piece of work that went out last year is um, uh, Magnum Phoenix, who was one of our students, who went to the working class academics conference. So his, some of his work was then, it was sort of shared on Twitter. He did a lovely um, piece of work about um, extracurricular around performing arts. Um, which was really, really uh, good because he is performing arts. He did a really quite political, really powerful video um, that went along with it. Um, And I think politically it kind of I could identify with it. So for me, it was um, it was really strong. So I'm really proud of that. I'm also proud we've got about four people this year who are already getting involved in a piece of work that Villiers Park is doing. So Stephen Exley from TESS has moved there um, and they're doing a sort of social justice uh, sort of look at FE research. So they're, they're looking at people looking at that area. We've got some lovely work going on in our college that sort of look at, looking at that space, practitioner work. And I say four people from that are going out as well. So um, some of those are really early in their sort of uh, research journey um, and some are, one of the guys is from the research network, so he's much more experienced. But I like the fact that when you give people opportunities, when you send out the email to say, oh, I've had a contact from, do you fancy joining this because I thought your piece of work would be good? People are really excited to get involved in that. So I'm always really proud of those people who are willing just to go out and, you know, they probably have no idea who Villiers Park and maybe well, if they're new to the sector, they may not know who Stephen Exley is, but they're still willing to like take the opportunity and, and and take their research out there and, and find out more so that always i find really exciting as well
1: excellent great great responses and great answers and joe's sat patiently waiting to pass uh, over <laughs> to her for her questions <laughs> thanks thanks Summer. i'll pass you over to joe now
0: okay oh no we, we we talk all the time barely a day goes by <laughs> know, it's quite sad isn't it <laughs> um Okay, I just want to before I ask you the questions, I sort of planned, I thought I'd pick out just just something um, you talked about as being a bit hidden from each other. I think that was your words. And I've talked right. about this before, about as being hidden. And two things happened today, actually. Um, so Peter Shuki, who you mentioned earlier, had contacted us, hadn't he? And he's who's mm. researching at the moment college hate college H E, you know. And and although we could give pointers, what it wasn't we couldn't easily do is just pointing at specific researchers. And and I get lots of questions like that, and I'm sure you do. And I think, well, I don't know. I don't have a ready database. That I can just, you know, go check. Um, and similarly, I, w- I was lucky enough to just pop in earlier to New City College in Havering, Havering. I don't know. It's in the South. I don't know how you pronounce it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there are some emerging college, I think. And si Liu was doing a, a talk there. But uh, I think... Peter there he, he was saying you know he was talking about they're setting up a research hub and they're setting up a publication and he was asking who's doing action research almost like he wasn't yet plugged into a network mm-hmm. of activity and again it's hidden isn't it? it's hidden from yeah. him so my question after all that preamble right yeah. is about how can we get more connected
2: do you know i I said I spoke to Claire Collins, and this is exactly what we were having a discussion about, is that if you set up another group, do you exclude then other people? Um, And how does the, if you set up a group, how does it then, No, in order to work with that group, do you have to join that group or does that shut other people up? Does it force them to leave other groups? I think it's really, really hard, to be honest, because I think it's practically impossible to see everything that was going on, because um, she mentioned some work that was going on. Um, I think it was in the northwest somewhere, um, a, a Khan Academy thing, which I'd never heard of um, mm. before. So there's there's always um, sort of uh, something, something new and something you haven't missed. Because apparently I, I did a tweet in the summer. She sort of said. You didn't mention us and I was thinking oh I didn't because I didn't know what you were doing at the time but it is really really hard to know what Mm. is doing and where we've tried to do things like that like the Effie researchers map everybody crowded on and we're all really keen to put ourselves on there but there's almost that what now type of Mm. and you
0: can't couldn't really easily search I suppose for a particular topic yeah
2: yeah but I, I mean, find I it hard enough in our college, to be honest, Joe, to find other people who are doing research and who are you know I, I had somebody who was doing research the other day came to approach me about trying to get his ethical clearance to the college i didn't I mean I know the the chat really well, but I didn't know he was on his master's, <laughs> so yeah, it's yeah. hard enough and then to to work with them to pull them in I, I don't yeah. honestly know you don't need a record like like some sort of central thing. I think it's the only way you can do it is through people and being next to yeah. the people.
0: So, talking of networks, then, so yep. um, for people who don't know, you can tell us in a moment a bit about FE Research Meet because that, in effect, is a network, isn't it? Hmm. And we've got the Learning Skills Research Network. Um, various colleges have blogs which kind of bring people together, including your your college does as well. There's the AP Connect, isn't mm-hmm. there? That, that has. Um, groups of kind of research activity and informal quality improvement projects that might be a bit like research. And then I think you're trying to help amplify voices there. So there are bodies that there There are, well, they're not bodies, are they? What are they? They are networks, loopholes and constant constellations rather than groups so that they're open, not bounded. And I'm wondering if there's a way to keep pushing out all of those networks and that's how we become more connected you know i don't know that's not even a question that's just me rambling i'm going to i'm going to ask you a question um i want to ask about you now you okay so how is your identity as a lecturer researcher i'm i'm, I'm using those words because i don't know how to describe you a lecturer researcher how has that evolved over the years
2: Hmm. i think i'm probably more confident now than when i started um i think I think one of the things that oh, I say I'm more confident, but when I talk to some people, I'm, I'm, I become really aware of how little I know. So um, I spoke to uh, Jonathan Tummins the other week and I came away just like, oh, I just, no, I, I, I realised there's a long way to, to, to go. But I do feel more confident, but I think it's the people around you you start to network with that help you to feel like that and again that's one of the reasons I would always encourage people to go out um but I I, yeah I think it's other people that kind of give you that identity rather than it's something that you give yourself because when I started research meet and did the first research meet with um Norman um prowler egging me on um and helping me organize it um and 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 the NEU paying for it, I should say, as well. Um, I didn't think it would necessarily be more than one. And we had a really, really lovely day. It was a real, you had that really lovely buzz. And right at the end of the day, he went, All right, I'm going to say this while I'm on my way out so you can't hit me. See you again next week, uh, next year. And uh, and then he legged it. Um, so, yeah, I, I hadn't expected to sort of be in the position where you're sort of put in a position of not, leading something, but being part, being a sort of part of something. Um, but it has changed over the time. And I think the one thing, the more I do, the more I can really see good stuff. And I think the more you see good stuff around you, the more you kind of have that feeling of pride. And I'm not talking about my own work here. I'm talking about, I see my students work and other work outside the sector. And you see other people putting forward really great arguments for um, researching within, you know, within the sector um but I don't know it kind of it buoys you along um yeah I I wouldn't say I've got a fixed identity in in any in any way shape or form and the minute you think that you have got a fixed and and great identity um is probably the time where you step into the classroom and your students give you a big wet slap around the face with a fish and bring you sort of hurt back down to uh ground you you. yeah (laughs) Yeah. which is a great thing about teaching yeah
0: um, you, you've made, Obviously, we've talked a lot about FE Research Meet. We should just say what it is because there might just be somebody listening <laughs> who's never heard, how dare they, never heard of FE Research Meet. So do you want to just quickly outline what that opportunity is?
2: Okay. So the FE Research meets, as I say, came from – it actually came from a meeting at the Learning and Skills Research Network. I went there to talk about the College Network – and got talking to Norman, and we just had one of these sort of breakout conversations and we were talking about, it'd be really nice to have a space where FE, just FE lecturers could talk and, and share without the, the fear of somebody else coming in and, and feeling like you can't talk because it's an academic thing and you don't feel safe talking there, or you don't feel, you know, that whole, that imposter syndrome and all of that kind of thing that you sometimes feel when you um, go out. Um, and that's what it was. So the idea was that anybody could run one, that they should be run for free. So that was one of the key barriers at the time. And I think it probably still is, that people being able to afford to go to things. Um, so they, they ran for free. Anybody could run one. Um, and the focus was on researching FE. So um, the, it, the focus was on the workshops. And that was the one thing that I realised from the first time we ran. We ran with two keynotes the first time um and all the feedback was that the keynotes were great and and they really were um but they wanted to hear far more from the FE researchers they wanted an opportunity to go to the workshops could they be repeated um could they go to a workshop that they hadn't been able to make and that kind of thing um sadly we've never been able to do that because the next time around and we had lots of people wanting to run workshops so we ended up running quite a lot of um, workshops. And then the third time I around, around one, we managed to have a research strand where people shared research and a development strand where people did presentations to develop capacity. Um, so they've, they've always been sort of open to all. You can run them as you wish. So people have done them in the evening. People have done them as badged with research meet and LSRN events. You and I have run whole days. Um, I think people have done little afternoons. We've run one within conferences. So the UKFE chat conference had an FE research meet, sort of mini-meet within it. So it's a really flexible format. And recently, um, Kerry and yourself and, and David and Annie took it online. And you guys have um, run a virtual research meet. And am I allowed to say... Suffolk one are doing one in, um, on the 29th of January as well, which is going to be online. So it's ended up being really flexible. And I think that flexibility and the fact that anybody can on one and anyone can go to one and present at one is probably what makes them good because then it's, you know, you can just pile in and, and get involved. There are no barriers to get over. You don't have to be qualified to a certain level. You don't need any particular contacts or anything. Um, I mean, I think when you ran yours, I probably sent you a few sort of bits of paper through email about what I'd done, and maybe talked you to it, and that was probably about it. Yeah. Not needed really much help, Joe. You're good at running this kind of thing. But uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, so it's, the idea is that it's kind of flexible um, and it's open, democratic, and mm-hmm. join in.
0: Yeah, and if people, um, I think so- sometimes people are a bit worried and think, "How do I get going?" Of course, there's a couple of us working on a little web- website um, just to offer people some information. Is that right? Yeah. When, yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, the website. I don't know when that's going to be up because it's all done on a sort of voluntary basis. But soon, yes. I would imagine. Yeah,
0: yeah. Because not everybody's on Twitter, as I keep saying. No. Not everybody's on <laughs> Um. Okay, so, of course, you've got your raft of groupies now that are running research meet all over <laughs> the UK. And you're now turning your attention to a new project. I won't name it, but it is um, a group of 10 colleges working slightly more formally together. Do you want to just give a little flavour of what that is, your new baby?
2: Yeah, so the new baby is, it's kind of, um, for me, it's sort of two-pronged because there's, the there's an internal bit where we're looking at developing capacity and um, use of research within Bedford College Group and continuing that sort of um Uh, journey. And then externally, as you say, there's 10 colleges coming together um, for very similar purposes or for the same purposes, really, to to develop capacity, um, to support each other, to develop practice, um, and also to do a bit of research together. So we've got some larger pieces of research um, that, well, we've got one initial piece that we're working on and there will be other pieces to follow. But we are having really... I find them at least, and maybe I'm a bit nerdy, um, interesting conversation. So there's sort of working groups looking at ethics. So it's looking not just at terms of the you know, sort of ethical clearance and that kind of thing, but the ethics of using practitioner research, which may not be officially published. And how is that used and tracked in the college? You know, and how's it acknowledged in the college so that somebody doesn't just feel like, well, I've done some work and my college leaders have gone, yeah, that's great. And, and I don't have anything from that. Um, so we're looking at lots of sort of sector-specific, really interesting sort of thorny questions. Um, we're also kind of doing a, a state of the nation look at the 10 colleges to try of track where we start, where we're starting so we can see progress going forward. Um, so the idea is when we launch, we the sort of 10 colleges working together with, um, I think there are about four individual members at this point in time so they're people who work in colleges where we'd like the colleges eventually to come aboard, board or they're just working in little silos on their own. And we want to be able to offer them support. Um, and once we get going, um, then the idea is to bring more colleges and more individuals into into the group um, to keep developing that practice and also develop that pool of knowledge. Because one of the things we want to do is create a repository so we can share our research a bit wider and that kind of thing. So I think it's quite exciting because it comes from inside. It comes from the colleges themselves. There's no sort of. Um, it's not driven by anybody outside. It's not facilitated by anybody outside. It's just within the college, within the um, colleges and, and sixth forms, and it's just us talking to ourselves. So our our sort of audience is other people in in the sector. So we're not looking to necessarily talk to academics and and research you know research at conferences and published papers it's about publishing research in in a way that's useful for the sector and engaging for senior teams in the sector and engaging for practitioners in the sector so it's a kind of a, a little microcosm almost yeah yeah
0: okay um and obviously, slowly over time, people will hear about how they can get involved as an individual or as an organisation. So, yeah, it's all sort of rolling out in the new year, isn't it? OK, so you're, you're some way into your PhD now. Yes. And so just, you know, what we're looking for here. Just imagine there might be other people in the room who might be about to start a <laughs> study. What would be your top tips?
2: Oh, I don't know, because I'm gonna be honest, I'm clinging on with my um nails at the moment. And and this year I've taken partly because of the project and partly because of COVID and partly because of financial issues. I've um I've taken a year off. Um it got really difficult, I found during lockdown to be doing that volume of work and trying to help the kids and, and do my own work and everything else. Um, so I think it really is a challenge. I think the difference between, for me, the masters and the PhD is headspace. You get, you need, need so much more. So you have less to put on other things and the writing, cause it takes a, an awful lot of time. It's not just the reading. Um, for me, it was also the, the writing, the writing and the rewriting and the discipline of that, um, is, is quite intense actually. Um, so I'm not, I'm not altogether sure I need to make my decision at some point about what I do. I've, I mean, I've got until July, August to, to make that decision. Um, but I, d- I don't know um, whether or not it's something I can continue with. I think it, it's lots of things. I think it's in part the age of my kids, um, which makes it, it, it does make it a challenge because I do want to be around to, to support them. Um, it's part of the the financial thing but a lot of it is the the time it's quite difficult to fit in and no you can't fit it in around other things Mm. say, I've got an odd hour I'm going to spend that time doing my PhD it needs big chunks of time so what I found is although I had a day's paid study leave which was great um, it started taking up one day of my weekend then it started taking two days of my weekend and then you haven't got any time for for anything else and I don't think I am alone in that that experience
0: no. okay it is well, quite no, thanks for terrifying us but there we go. that's all right What <laughs> <laughs> to we... say I haven't enjoyed it no I yeah I mean, it. We, we had somebody on um Zakia um, mm. on the podcast and actually we, we did a lot of talking with her about the balance of being a parent actually and for her I think she's a single mum as well actually but um you know, that balance of parenthood with that level of study. So, you know, it, it is something Yeah, that needs airings, that needs to be out there. Um, OK, look, that's the end of the formal questions, but we're going to finish Ooh. with a game. Is that OK? Oh, that's lovely. Right far away. <laughs> but, well, when, um, when we had Gary Husband on, his game was all based on uh, collective nouns. We tested him because, you know, he's an associate professor now, so we figured he must have, you know, knowledge <laughs> of collective nouns. So, But for, for yourself, what we thought we'd do is, uh, this is based on desert island discs. Ooh. What we're calling it, Research Island Wish. Right. And we're gonna send you, we're gonna cast you away because we figure you need a bit of a break. You've been working hard, so you're gonna be cast away to an island. And and in this time you can push forward either on your own research or the research agenda, you know, for the further education sector. Now you might know that in Desert Island discs, I think you automatically get the Bible and the works of Shakespeare, but we're not bothering with that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with those. Uh, What we're going to give you is a laptop and one hour a day of Wi-Fi. So if you want to check out anything biblical or, you know, from a Shakespeare play, you can do. Um, So you'll automatically get those. But what we're going to ask you is what um, items you're going to take with you to help you in, in your research agenda. You can have up to eight, no more than eight. Okay. And you can have one luxury item. So talk us through what you might be taking with you and why. I
2: think my first thing I would be taking is um, the work of Karen Evans at UCL. Because he has this idea of um, chains of recontextualisation about how knowledge moves. Um, particularly looks at that in terms of vocational knowledge. I think it's brilliant. I think for me it's really, really good. And it's a really good way of looking at how people engage with and adapt knowledge and i think the reason i think it's really good for the fe sector is we look at this really unproblematically in vocational education that i've told you and as she goes on in cpd well i've told you so you should be a go off and do it and actually it's a lot more complex than that because you've got to move the thing from where you've learnt it to your context and practice it and all of that kind of thing so she's looking at issues around this so she looks at uh, w- the way she uses it is you know um Quite often, lecturer, learners going out uh, and knowledge coming in and, and how lecturers use the knowledge to um, create uh, the curriculum and that kind of thing. So I think the work is really good, and I'd definitely take okay. that. Okay, right. That, you, you, can that and you can have
0: right. a body of work. That's now,
2: what I doing. said I'd, I've been a bit naughty on this. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was thinking about the sort of... the. Um, the stuff across the sector, and the first thing that occurred to me is I really need Teams. So I need oh. Microsoft Teams with me.
0: Oh, but you can only have it for an hour a day, though.
2: Okay, but partly because I need to get in contact with my students, what i found is that's, that's, it's only those interactions with other people that make your, your thoughts develop. It's those, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, well, I'll go. Well. So I found, when we were in lockdown, I found doing things like writing for tests really, really difficult because it was just me in the room and there's nothing to give you any kind of inspiration and nobody to bounce off. Um, so keeping in touch with um, students is really important. And we also use Teams for this group of 10 colleges. Um, and I, 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 I really value being able to just pop things in at okay. that time and,
0: I've and- never heard anybody rave so much about Teams <laughs> currently, but okay, you, you can have Teams. But only, I love day. it
2: but, okay, okay. So well, then, going back to the academic stuff, Basil Bernstein I really like Basil Bernstein's um, work. Um, so, it, particularly his work around recontextualization and structures and, and discourses of knowledge. Um, so, I would quite happily, he's, okay. he's really hard to read, and I have. My Basil Burnside book, and then I have my version of the Basil Burnside book where I've made notes and put it into language that I understand.
0: Right. Okay. So I, I'd have to take
2: those as a little parcel.
0: But getting right. more to that would be really good. His, his um, name comes up a lot, actually. So, yeah, go on. No, okay. I would, because if I'm
2: working with other uh, people on research, I would take a copy of a book called The Hard-Pressed Researcher, by Ed- oh
0: yeah you oh. I think you've recommended this and I've got a second-hand copy
2: yeah Good I, yeah I really like that and it's partly because um I did my master's at Oxford and Anne Edwards is at Oxford she's just honestly she's just the most intelligent woman I've ever come up she's just like so hot like uh, her brain, um, and my supervisor was supervised for her PhD by Anne Edwards. So there's kind of a little um, link there. So uh, that Edwards and Talbot book, I think because she knows it so well, I think she distills it down really well. It's yeah. very clear and, and gives you some good...
0: So the hard, hard of... press researcher.
2: Yeah, That's Edwards and Talbot. Idea. I don't know Robin Talbot, but I've met Anne Edwards a couple of times and sort of hid in the background behind a cup of coffee. Okay. Um, the other book I would take is yeah, the the fifth thing again is another book. Um and this one is just generally one that I really like because I think methodologically it's some of the best writing I've ever seen. They write their methodology really, really, really clearly. Um and I like their I their approach towards um Looking at teacher practice because what they acknowledge is the teachers are the experts, therefore, in order to understand the practice, you've got to understand how the teachers see it. That's kind of that idea of.
0: Tell it, me again what that is. Sorry.
2: Oh, that one's called, sorry, it's called Making Sense of Teaching by Brown McIntyre.
0: Right. Okay. So I
2: really like oh, that. That's another good book. um Another cheat. <laughs> with- <laughs> again to stay in contact with people um, my phone actually now makes suggestions do you want to send a whatsapp to joe fletcher saxon
0: of course it does why would it not <laughs> <Doesn't> <laughs> I,
2: I was like oh my god uh, so i'm gonna i'm gonna um take my phone to stay in contact um because one of my favorite pieces of work i i am doing at the moment is looking at vocational practice I'm going to take Catherine Lloyd with me because I'm working with her on that and I love working
0: with her. So I'm oh, I'm to- not sure we can package Catherine onto the oh. island. She can join you on teams maybe.
2: Okay. Well, oh. I was going to take you as well as my aide. Oh, I can come. <laughs> <laughs> I think I struggle. To and then my one my one luxury is going to mm. be, this is a bit soppy, but it's going to be my family because I
0: would Oh I really, if we all go that. then it's quite the party.
2: Yeah, she's it's quite a busy little island, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It pretty is much like my life in lockdown, actually, T. Yeah, it it <laughs> is.
0: You've just recreated yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fabulous. Oh, good fun. And some fabulous recommendations there as well. So thank you so much. Thanks, Sam. We know you you're you, you know you're doing so much at the moment, juggling so much. Um so thank you for your time. Thank you. Uh, but I'm sure lots of people appreciate listening listening to you, to your thinking today.
1: Thank you ever so much for joining us, uh, Sam. It's been been very enjoyable.
2: It's been lovely to speak to you both. Thank you very much for asking me. So I'll we'll say goodbye. Bye. Bye.
1: You've been listening to the FE Research Podcast. You can follow the conversations on Twitter using the hashtag FE Research Podcast. Thanks for listening and hopefully you can join us again soon.